Hello. Welcome to Cascades, a podcast for whiskey, about whiskey. I'm Luke. My brother Jordan's over there, and we're going to talk about Irish whiskey today, I believe. Yes, we are indeed talking about Irish whiskey today. Do you know anything about um, Irish whiskey in general? I had a thought about this Ooh. this morning because you told me that we should do recording today, and I was like, yeah, okay, just uh, we'll fit it in around the bike ride, the most important thing of my day. Um, and it occurred to me, I don't know what whiskey is Irish, but then again, I don't know what I- whiskey is Scottish, so I couldn't pinpoint any location. You're telling me this after three episodes, you haven't learned anything. No, I I could probably... If you put whiskey in a lineup, it was like vodka, gin, whiskey. I could probably find the whiskey, so long as it wasn't you clear. You the labels. Okay, well, if the labels were facing the way, and I was at a distance so I couldn't read them. You're saying by, by sight of the whiskey, is that what you're saying? Like, yes. Just the, like, for instance, this glass of whiskey here, you wouldn't know if that was Scottish or Irish whiskey. Is that no. what you're saying? Or are you saying, like, if I was to hold a bottle and you couldn't see the label... If you were to hold, look, you see that High West whiskey over there? If I okay, saw yep. that, I'd be like, that's a whiskey. I would know for sure that the Tamdui. Tamdu? There's no E on the end. You keep adding. Bottle was whiskey because I like its design that it sticks in my head all the time. I'd also like to point out, I think you are now four for four on mentioning Tamdu in our podcast. Is I, the- I, you need to know another whiskey. Uh, like a villain? <laughs> There we go. Glenn <laughs> Glowen? Glenn Glowen? No. Glenn Morongi? Glenn Morongi, yes. G- there is a one that ends with like a glow. Glenn Glassow? That could be it. That was the uh, new mix spirit that I showed you. Okay, yeah, so that's one. So you are learning, see? Um, Venta Black. <laughs> no, that's a colour. You, you were uh, almost oct- close to Octomore? Some... Octomore, yes, that's the spaghetti tin one. Oh, I thought that was a super black one. Rat, rat, wild Turkey? You obviously know about wild turkey, yes. But now, now getting slightly back to your question, are you just just so I understand what you're saying? So, are you saying just from looking at the label, or I don't know? Well, firstly, I don't look at the labels. I get all my knowledge from just crazy random happenstances. Um, I'd say hopefully you get some of your knowledge from this podcast. Weirdly, no. I don't know what whiskies are Scottish and what are Irish because I didn't even know it said that on the bottle, to be honest. Well, so far, the whiskies you reviewed in the previous three episodes were all Scottish whiskies. And I'm guessing that Red Bird? Red Breast. Spoilers <sighs> for later on, we will be reviewing Red Breast 12 year old, which I is done by the Middleton Distillery. That that's an Irish whiskey. Well, considering we're talking about Irish whiskies and that even more importantly, the words Irish whiskey appear on the label, yes. I would say probably we are going to be talking about an Irish whiskey today, yes. So you're telling me I'm right? Yes. Okay, I'll take it. Do you know anything about Irish whiskey was my original question. I think we've answered you don't know anything about most whiskeys at the moment, even after four episodes. I'd say it's a definitive no. So, just to recap, the ones that we did before, Scottish, Scotch, made and matured and bottled in Scotland. Yeah. Three years in oak casks, do you remember that rule? Because it gets the colour from the casks. You can add a little bit of colouring, but yeah, yeah. it gets the colour from the casks, so it's getting that kind of flavours and things. I know, I know. If it's a single malt, it must be done on a copper pot still. I know, this isn't about Irish whiskey, though, is but it? This is irrelevant. This, this is what I'm bringing across. So that's that's some of the rules for Scotch. There are others as well, as we covered before. Moving on to Irish whiskies. So, you get three main styles of Irish, but they don't have to just use these three. You still have single malts, though not as much as you do with Scotch. You still have blends. Now, the Irish blends tend to be um, a kind of 
pound for pound in general, Irish whiskies are, uh, the blends are a little bit higher quality than Scotch uh, because they concentrate on this style a lot more than single malts. However, mo most importantly is the third style, which is what Redbreast falls under, which we'll be talking about later on, which is um, Irish single pot still whiskey. Now, this is very important because pot still whiskey is uh, it's a blend of malt and uh, grain whiskies. So it's not a single malt, it's still from one distillery in this case, so it's a single pot still, but they're using that copper pot still you have to use for single malts instead of column stills, which you use for blends. So you're still getting that lovely kind of copper into contact. A lot more kind of impurities will come through, but in a good way. And it is a wonderful style. It's just one of my favorite styles that Ireland does. It really is, it's, it's great. Uh, very notable examples of pot still are, as, as you know, red breasts, because I've been talking about that one, but also I love green spots, Glendalock and, um, Teeling Distillery have released their own single pot still whiskies for the first time this year because they're fairly new distilleries on the scene and their whiskey's finally old enough to release this kind of stuff. And, and pot still is this special kind of unique to Ireland approach. I have a fun thing to add. Okay. It's not going to add anything beyond the fact that Greenspot is an amazing name and I'm picturing they were getting the barrels for the whiskey, right? And one of them had this weird green marker that's like, guys, do you think we should just call it Greenspot? I mean, we haven't thought of a better name yet. <laughs> Actually, not that far off why it's called Greenspot. Oh. So Greenspot is also distilled at Middleton, same place that does Redbreast, also the same place that does Jameson's, arguably the most famous kind of Irish whiskey. I oh. imagine you've heard of Jameson's. Yes. There's also Johnny Walker, that's a whiskey. Johnny Walker's a Scotch, though. Uh, yeah, Jameson and Johnny Walker are both blends, but Johnny Walker is a Scottish blend, Jameson is an Irish blend. I'll take it as a win. So, Middleton, very big distillery. Um, going to Greenspot, back to Greenspot as you were saying. Uh, Greenspot is an independent bottling, so what they do is they buy the spirit from Middleton, but they use their own casks. Now, uh, the story behind Greenspot actually is that on the cask ends, they used to put a green spot of paint on the cask ends to identify their casks. Uh, the company that does green spot, they do, uh, obviously green spot, they do yellow spot, which is 12 year old and also uses some different casks. They do, they also do blue spot and red spot, but I've never tried those two because they are a bit harder to get your hands on. Uh, but they were also supposed to be very, very nice whiskies. In the past, I have I, obviously tried uh, green spot and I do enjoy it. It's just that red breast is the bottle I have open at the moment. So that's what we're reviewing. All right. So they really found a brand and stuck with it then. Which is kind of that nod to the traditional styles that they used to have, and, and that's why they've stuck with it. It was yeah. it was just a way of marking their casks. And then some new agey people come in and they make purple square, and it's like, whoa, we're not ready for that. <laughs> Orange dodecahedron. <laughs> Cyan polygon. <laughs> Ooh. On, we can do better than this. Aquamarine. Aquamarine oval, maybe? But that's getting close to spot. I, although the spot isn't a perfect circle, it is more of a brush dab. So. I have a really good one. Fuchsia cone. Ooh. That's like, that's a bougie one. Mm, got it. That sounds like a cocktail. Got it. Paisley pyramid. Ooh, imagine the poor person that has to paint Paisley pyramid. <laughs> you know, like the first one's going to be really detailed and the last one is just going to be kind of like a yeah. vague Paisley. <laughs> I mean, the best bit is they have a paint that literally, as you roll it on, comes out paisley print. It's amazing. Oh, that is that would. It's very like convenient. Classic cartoons. Yeah, when yeah. yeah. It's, it's literally like you just do that, and all the all the print kind of appears. When I was younger, I always wanted some paint that did that. I think everyone wants paint yeah. that does that. I mean, that would make painting so much easier. Yep. 
Anyway, we got very sidetracked there. Um, brief introduction to Irish whiskies of what we're trying today. We've got a little bit out of order. Quickly, the rules for Irish whiskey. Made, matured and bottled on the island of Ireland. So similar principle to Scotch. You can't leave Ireland until it's been bottled. Obviously. Well, some countries don't need to follow those rules. Really? Yeah. Um... This is to protect the kind of prestige of Irish and Scottish whiskies in particular, these traditional kind of distillation countries. Um, having said that, with the US, again, very similar kind of rules in some respects. Um, some of the newer countries, they don't need to follow these rules, and we'll get to that another time. Made, matured, bottled in Ireland. Again, it has to be at least three years old to be called whiskey, matured in oak casks, so you're getting that similar kind of overlap. Now, interestingly, uh, for a very long time, Scottish whiskey's been kind of selling more volume than Irish whiskey. That's probably how we should say that. Uh, however, uh, up to the end of the uh, 20th century, Irish whiskey was just as much popular as Scottish. Uh, in fact, at one stage, uh, uh, Ty Connell, which is a single malt, uh, was actually the best-selling single malt in the world. So it was surpassing Scottish sales. It was, it was a phenomenally popular single malt, and um, there were adverts uh, for it on billboards and things at baseball stadiums and all sorts. Very, very popular in the US. But a series of misfortunes and happenstances and the Irish whiskey industry suffered very heavily for it. Do you can you take a guess at any of them in particular? At the end of the twentieth century, which I don't like the way you said that, as though it was so long ago. It's like when people tell me how long ago Shrek came out and I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't handle it. Ah uh, yes. The, the calendar timeline post Shrek and pre Shrek. <laughs> Basically. For all millennials, that's pretty much how we work. Are we talking Trek 1 or are we talking... <laughs> Trek 1, yeah. Okay, yeah. The classic. Anyway, what happened to damage the Irish whiskey? So. Wait, I'm thinking. Oh, sorry. I can thought you, I thought you me, were asking the question. Can you give me a hint? I'll give you a clue. There was um, a pretty big war involved at one stage. War of 1812. No. Post that. 1066. Talking more like early 1900s. World War One. <laughs> World War One, yes. So I believe that <laughs> World War One was the um, reason. Actually, want a dot. Little modem noise cranking <laughs> up. <laughs> the rise and fall of the Irish whiskey industry was to do with. Was <laughs> <laughs> to do it. So, because of the First World War. Wait, why did that only affect Irish whiskey? It didn't. It affected a lot of things. I'm saying this is one of the aspects that affected Irish whiskey. So you had the First World War. Obviously, a lot of production was cut. Uh, places that were set up for industrial levels of creating alcohol, such as distilleries, were creating actually industrial alcohol for the war effort, particularly things that could go into production and things like that. And um, Medicine? To an extent, medicine as well. Um, so that was one of the big aspects. Then after that, you also have, after the First World War, you've got Prohibition. Man, you just... I do not think of these in a timeline equating to each other. Yep. So, Prohibition. Big problem for whiskey in general. I mean, it keeps coming up. And yes, when we hit the American whiskey subject, we will talk about Prohibition in a larger scale. However, you've got to remember, not only did Prohibition affect the uh, distillation of, of whiskeys over in the US, it affected the consumption of, of, well, alcohol in general, but particularly things like whiskey. And so you had this problem of, yes, alcohol is now an illegal substance. And yes, you had the rum runners. I was going to say, they it was like there were speakeasies... They, they uh, used tunnels, right? 
Speakeasies were an actual thing. I'm not just thinking of Bugsy Malone. No, I know. I, I absolutely find... I, I love the period of time of Prohibition. Yes, it has that romance to it, but also it is a fascinating period of time. It's not even part of the romance era. No, but there's that kind of... Kind of the, the, the romance of people getting around the laws and, like you say, the speakeasies yeah, and it, things like that. It has been romanticised, for yes, sure. That's how, I don't mean particularly in the romance era. I mean that it has been romanticised as a, as a subject in a time period. I do know that they used to... There were tunnels, right? Yeah. For there were all sorts of ways alcohol. that they got around things. Yeah. I think I might learn that in, like, white colour. <laughs> it's also worth pointing out Hollywood has exaggerated... Like everything, Hollywood's got its hands on the period of prohibition, and some things have been exaggerated a lot more. It's not like every single person's backyard was um, moonshine, <laughs> moonshine, and tunnels or whatever. It's wild, yeah. All of prohibition was whitewashed. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> prohibition really hit the sales of alcohol coming into the states. And as I was saying before, Irish whiskey was very, very popular in the states, as it was across the, uh, the particularly the British Empire at the time as well. But you have this problem of all of a sudden they're not buying your whiskey. You also have this problem of the uh, Irish Revolution. Now, this prevented not only the sales of um, particularly Southern Irish whiskey in England, but it also prevented its sales anywhere within the British Empire at the time, which was a very big market to the Lost America and they lost the British Empire, which means a lot of Irish whiskey was suddenly not being bought. I imagine the famine would have affected it a lot. Other aspects as well, there really are. So, you then have another slight problem, which is moving towards... Do you remember we were talking about the continuous and coffee stills? No. Coffee stills being very vertical columns, uh, very good for producing large quantities of alcohol, far more industrious, and you use it for grain whiskey now. Outside of Dublin, um, some of the Irish whiskey distilleries did actually start to adopt this practice of the, um, the coffee stills. Or continuous stills. However, in Dublin, they uh, the, the distilleries were not uh, as quick to embrace this this new style still. They wanted to stick with the existing copper pot stills, um, which made the product a lot more expensive. It was more of a premium product, and also they couldn't produce as much spirit. So you have that aspect to it as well. And so all of these things working together really started to hit the uh, Irish Irish distillery community very hard. And so they started to combine together and, and conglomerate to keep themselves from uh, going under completely. And at one point, there were only two two distilleries left in all of Ireland at one stage. Uh, now, that ch- that did change, fortunately, as, as we're in a situation now where I think at the end of last year it was 31 distilleries, so it's on the rise again. But yes, Irish whiskey was down to just two distilleries. And uh, yes, the, the, the output was still significant, but when you compare it to the kind of the golden age of Irish distilling, it was such a uh, such a, a sad side for the for the uh, community. Now, uh, actually, I was just bringing up Bushmills. Bushmills is uh, I think one of the oldest distilleries ever like recorded for a, for a license it's uh something like 1600s it was uh 1608 i was right oh okay they got their original charter in 1608 bushmills um but the current buildings date back to about 1784 i believe but yeah yeah so yes seriously seriously old kind of history to uh, distilling it is believed that distilling in scotland was actually brought to scotland from ireland as well um the the current facts show that I, th- I think it was uh, kind of Christian missionaries were coming across from Ireland and they brought the art of distilling across to Scotland so yeah it's, it's an interesting I like how they were like here's our religion here's our whiskey well the, as we've said before the the, uh, the kind of connection between 
missionaries, monks, and uh, distilling and creating beers has been going back for years. I mean, the oldest recipe for uh, aquavitae in, in Scotland is from Lindor's Abbey, which is uh, obviously an abbey. It's this kind of practice of alcohol, and 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 monks were, were often tied in. Now, one of the big factors that brought we were about this um, resurgence and this renaissance that Irish whisky is kind of undergoing, and one of the big big factors that happened, um, and I'm not saying that this man is uh, solely responsible for rejuvenating Irish whiskey, but he's a very, very big factor to it, is a gentleman called John, uh, John Teeling. <laughs> That's right. I knew it all along. <laughs> or... <laughs> he sold Kilbegan, and his sons began begun Teeling Distillery in Dublin. Okay, so you're jumping a little... great Irish whiskey. Jumping a few little important facts there. Okay, so John Teeling was a business... Or is a businessman. Oh, yeah, you're a paragraph above me. Yeah, John Teeling is a businessman. Uh, actually, he doesn't drink. He's teetotal. Never drinks. What's teetotal mean? Teetotal means you don't drink alcohol. I thought that just meant you don't drink alcohol. Teetotal sounds like someone that's just drank too much tea in a day. and like, oh, I'm teetotal, man. Yes, so John <laughs> Teeling doesn't drink whiskey. Doesn't drink alcohol altogether, rather. John Teeling doesn't drink alcohol. However, he's a very, very successful businessman. And at the time... <laughs> like You just made it sound like you have to drink alcohol to be a good businessman. No, no what I'm saying is John Teeling is a very good businessman. And at the time, when there were only these two distilleries, um, this was kind of annoying him that you know, Irish whiskey had suffered so badly. But even more annoying for him was that no Irish whiskey was actually owned by the Irish. Both companies were owned by French companies. Which, in principle, isn't a problem, but when the entire output of your country's whiskey isn't actually owned by anyone native to that country, I can see why that's a bit of a problem. So he ended up buying, back in 1985, uh, Cooley Distillery, which is an is, is a old, old distillery in Ireland, uh, and it was being used by the government to make uh, fuel from potatoes. Because mm-hmm. as I was saying, the, these distillery plants, with co- you can convert them to create fuel and things like that. As has been done many times in the past for war efforts, and I mean, even at the moment with everything going on, the pandemic, Brookladdie Distillery and a few others, I'm sure, have started creating uh, alcohol for hand sanitizer and things like that. Yeah, quite a lot of places are doing that. So you you can tweak your things in times of need, but this distillery obviously was no longer being used, and the government were using it to create um, fuel. He, so he bought this distillery, uh, got it got it going, and he started to recreate uh, Irish whiskey. Started going. Um, later on, he used Kilbegan Distillery, uh, which is supposed to be one of the oldest uh, in the in the world, with it dating back to 1757. Obviously, Bushmills has a license older than that, but uh, or a charter rather. Um, so he purchased Kilbeg and he started to, but more importantly, he also started to um, uh, buy buy back many of the old bottling names and, and rights for, for, for old Irish whiskies that had long since been discontinued. And so he started to recreate these. And eventually, when he sold Kilbegan, um, part of the part of the sales, um, his sons, which you mentioned, do you know the names of the sons out of interest? It's not on there. No, then. Jack and Stephen are his sons, and they have begun, or they did begin, uh, Teeling Distillery in Dublin, which was the first Irish distillery to be reopened in Dublin since the golden age of distilling. I believe I already mentioned that. Uh, I believe you read ahead. I believe a sense of knowledge came to me from the ether, vis-a-vis a computer screen. So, like I say, now, we're at 31, I think it was at the end of last year, distilleries in Ireland, so... 
John Teeling and his family certainly aren't solely responsible for uh, kind of good fortunes of Irish whiskey in general at the moment. However, very, very big step forwards uh, was the reopening of, of distilleries. And I, like I said, for a long time, you had these two distilleries and particularly a lot of the labels that you see were coming out of, and still are to an extent, coming out of Middleton Distillery, which is a very, very big distillery in Ireland. Um as I said, you have Jameson's, but you also have things like Powers, Redbreast, as I said, Greenspot uses Middleton whiskey. Fuchsia Pyramid. Sorry? Up and coming. Now, Paisley Pyramid. Paisley Pyramid, I the up and coming whiskey. I can't keep track of our own <laughs> dumb, dumb jokes. Uh, 31 yes. is quite a lot. Sorry? I don't, 31 is quite a lot. I don't know why, but when I think of distillers, I think, ah, it's probably about five. Well, no, I mean, when, when you're talking about distilleries, I mean, there's over 100 odd in uh, Scotland. Seriously? Oh, yeah. That's I can't remember the exact number, but it's amount. like 120 to 130, I think. I'll, I'll uh, look, it, look it up, because obviously the figure's constantly changing because more distilleries are opening, and, and a few of them close, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenal amount. I mean, like I said, in the golden age of distilling, there was well over 100 distilleries in Ireland. Yeah, there was the golden age of piracy, the golden age of distilling. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> So yeah, this is a brief summary of Irish whiskey in general, and certainly we'll be looking at uh, another style of Irish whiskey next time. However, any questions about Irish in general? About Irish in general? Yeah, Irish, Irish anything? Irish, well, I mean, we have Google at our disposal if you have any we random do, questions. Yeah, we... So, any other questions? I really, no, not really, no. That makes sense. Yep, they had a lot of distilleries and they didn't, and then they do, due to events beyond their control. One dude helped it. Uh, there's a place called Green Spot. Not uh, no, a whiskey called Green Spot. There is a whiskey called Green Spot. They also have like Red Spot, Blue Spot. Go on. Things like that. Yellow Spot, you forgot. What? I can't. I'm colorblind. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. Yep. I'm going to stick there. <laughs> So, I suppose we're on to the tasting section of the episode, whereas, spoilers revealed earlier on, we will be reviewing Redbreast 12-year-old. So, I'll smell it, because you take seven years, and I'm not about that life, and you spin it first, right? Swill the glass, yep. Yeah, yeah, doing a little bit Check of a spin. Legs. Hold um, it by the stem. Well, we, we all know I'm good. Zero. So a little bit more. You did leave it a little bit long. Yeah, no, zero. Okay, we'll get to the legs when I get to it then. Sherry. Well done. Redbreast 12 is very heavily sherry cask influenced. They yes. use some lovely toasted sherry casks. Who's playing sherry in a toaster, the weirdos? No, toasting is to do with the uh, preparation of the casks. And alcohol. No, that's all I'm getting. So, the legs. Ugh. You see? Get legs. You were tilting it in a manner in which I cannot see anything. Um, See a few legs. They're very, very light, very fast running. It's quite a light whiskey. Yeah, it didn't feel heavy in the glass. Because <laughs> I didn't fill the glass. <laughs> like you think the full capita? Well done. Glass would be like eighty kilograms. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a lovely, rich nose. There's stewed fruits. There's no, it's not. <laughs> I'm begging you to stop calling things fruits that aren't fruits. There's a little bit of a spice at the back, um, which particularly you do tend to get with pot still whiskies, actually. They do tend to have a bit of a spice. There's a, a, a lovely kind of almost a vanilla-y side to it. What kind of spice? Cardamom? Um, Cinnamon? Paprika? 
It's a little bit like peppery. It's got an oakiness to it, though. Oak isn't a spice. <laughs> you just like grating up trees outside. Like this will go great on my pasta. No, I'd say it's more black peppery spice at the back. Yeah. Is black pepper a spice? Yes, black pepper's a spice. I don't know. It doesn't scream spice to me. You don't think of salt as a spice? Which well, salt herb? isn't a spice. It's a mineral. <laughs> don't think of salt as a spice. You know what? You don't think of green peppers as a spice. No, because... They're not. Exactly. So salt wouldn't be a spice either, because it's not. And yeah, I mean, it's it's got this wonderful kind of roundness to it. Well, that's just because you put in a round glass. <laughs> don't you let back. Yes, please. There you go. Oh, look at those little dribbles and droplets. They're in a race. Those legs. Nah, I'm going to call them dribbles and droplets. Uh, now, when, you, when you're tasting it, it's also got um, almost a little bit of a citrusiness, citrusiness comes through as well. And it is. It's a great balanced whiskey red breast. I think it really is a nice one. Um, but I'm not saying it's the best Irish whiskey because there's some wonderful, wonderful expressions. And I'm honestly not sure which one. The best Irish whiskey is the one that gives you a hug at the end of the day. The best Irish whiskey is the one that gives you a hug at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, no, I think it's a great representation of Irish whiskey, but as you will find out next time, we will be trying a different style of Irish whiskey, which I happen to have as well. Oh, we got a double Irish whiskey we going on. The, well, we did three episodes of Scotch. I thought we could do, at least do two episodes of Irish. We did three episodes of Scotch? Well, this is episode four, so... I thought, honestly, I didn't know we were drinking Scotch the entire time. Really, it's a potato, potato. I look forward to when we branch out of the continent. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure which one we'll be moving to next. I haven't decided on that. I suppose part of it does depend on the situation that we're in with the pandemic. Put a map up and throw a dart. Well, no, I would say that it depends on the situation that we have with the pandemic as to what access to whiskey I have. Um, um, I certainly have a lot of American as well, so we could go over to America next. Uh, or we could do Swedish, actually. Ooh, let's do that Swedish. That's way more fun. Um, or Indian. We could do Indian, Swedish, American. Don't think I have any English on me either, so we could have done Japanese. English. That's Japanese. a shame. Uh, we could do Japanese. But I don't really want to open that bottle for you. <laughs> Brutal feather. Okay, what well, if we do Swedish next? After we've done the next episode of Irish. Yeah, so we've got at least one more episode of Irish. We'll see how we go for the facts. Uh, and then after that, we will see where we uh, where we head with this in these uncertain times. Funsies. So thank you for listening to Caskheads. Uh, my name's Jordan, and with me has been my brother Luke, as always. We've been talking about Irish issues today. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, if you or wherever you get your podcasts from, I suppose. Can you imagine if I wasn't the co-host for once and it would be like, my co-host, unlike usual, is Luke's cat. <laughs> she contributed about as much as me. This has been Caskheads. Farewell. Farewell. If you like what you just listened to, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really does help new shows. If you have any questions, feel free to email me by going to our website or clicking the link in the description below. If you do like the show and want to support us, you can always donate on our website. I assure you donations won't get spent on uh, whiskey, but instead towards coffee, tea, and helping the show in general. However, I understand with these trying times, if you can't donate at the moment, I certainly understand that. If you have friends or family that don't listen and you think that they should, you should probably recommend us to them as well. Finally, I'll leave you with one editing goof. Goodbye. It's going to really suck if we don't have an editing goof to go in. True, yeah. Like, I've been pretty serious this episode. I've been on point. My distillery, I hid it in that place. <laughs> I was on about the actual golden age of piracy, <laughs> not one piece. <laughs> <laughs>
Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 my lad. Or Treasure Island, but Muppets Treasure Island. I know Treasure Island too. Muppets Treasure Island is far more funny. I thought you were going to say Muppets Treasure Island is an actual piece of art, <laughs> unlike that book. Muppets Treasure Island is far more historically accurate rather than the original book. <laughs> yeah, I love that bit when someone just had like, a lobster parrot. <laughs> Polly. Uh, sorry, I, I've only watched the film a few times. That's just too few. I, I think you need to watch it more. No.